Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning or winning inside. Fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hi, uh, my name is Cecil Castellucci, and I'm here on Comic Book Commentary. Um, and I am here to talk about my miniseries with Adriana Mello out on DC Comics, The Female Furies. Um, so this week, um, well, I guess probably it already happened, uh, issue number six of our six-issue miniseries came out. Um, of the Female Furies. And for those of you who don't know, the Female Furies are a... Um, supervillain team uh, that was created by, they were created by Jack Kirby, um, the king, uh, as part of his um, Fourth World series. And they are an elite fighting force for Darkseid, who's the big bad in the DC universe. And um, and uh, they live on the hell planet of Apocalypse. Um, Adriana Mello and I have been doing this, ish, uh, this comic book for six issues now, and um, we are so fiercely proud of it. It's been really hard to write sometimes um, because we're looking at sexual abuse and uh, systemic misogyny and uh, harassment, um, and we've been trying to do it in an unflinching kind of way. So um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about issue one for a little second. I know that I already did an issue one thing, but um, what you should know about the female furies is that there are, um, they, most of them grew up on, I mean, they all grew up on apocalypse, but they were in a, a hell orphanage. Um, and the hell orphanage is, uh, run by granny goodness. Um, this is important to know because granny goodness is the woman who is sort of, um, dark sides, right-hand lady, um, but he doesn't really treat her very well. She helped him get into power, and then he sort of gave her the mothering job of uh, being in charge of uh, the children of Apocalypse and training them to being a hell planet. So uh, our female furies, me and Adriana's female furies, is about the Me Too movement on Apocalypse. And what does a feminist awakening look like on a hell planet when, you know, uh, villains are already villainous. Um, so, uh, at the beginning of the, um, you know, the series, uh, we had one of the, 
characters that um, Kirby created um, uh, named Aureli. And Aureli is, uh, she is in a contest. She's the, the most fierce female fury. And um, this uh, protectorate, Willick, uh, becomes fixated and obsessed with her. And um, he wants to uh, help her, quote unquote, to rise um, and, you know, lift herself to be an equal, but not really, because really he's just interested in her because he's sort of obsessed with her. But this lines up with Granny Goodness's plans. Granny, who has always been sort of left out of the boys club um, and always trying to prove to Darkseid and his cronies that her girls are up to snuff and that they are ready to take on bigger and more equal tasks uh, to help Apocalypse uh, achieve glory. Um, so she sort of pushes or really towards um, uh, Protectorate Willick, even though she sort of probably suspects that something is um, not going quite uh, well and that um, Aureli is becoming sort of a shrinking violent. She's shrinking, you know, her confidence is shrinking and that's because she's being abused. Um, I think one thing that's really important to know is that I really took um, the story of uh, the female furies. My story with Adriana uh, is directly spins out from Mr. Miracle number nine, which is Jack Kirby's Mr. Miracle number nine. Um, Aureli is in there and she is sort of, uh, has run away and Big Barda and the Furies have to go fetch her back from Himone. And um, this is where Big Barda and Mr. Miracle meet for the first time. So what's really important to know about the female Furies is that while it starts out um, in this sort of sets the tone for their systemic misogyny, there's abuse, there's sort of uh, forced... Uh, intimacy that may be unwanted, <laughs> let's just call it unwanted, advances, but, um, you know, on Granny and on Aureli, um, that Mr. Miracle issue number nine in Kirby's uh, Fourth World series and Mr. Miracle is the inciting moment where Big Barda and Mr. Miracle meet. And it is the beginning of their love story. And so while this is an, this is indeed our six issue mini story, mini series is a, um, awakening, a feminist awakening on this hell planet. Um, it is also telling the love story of, uh, Big Barda and Mr. Miracle. And I think that when you look at issue number nine of Mr. Miracle, King Kirby's, <laughs> um, issue, you'll see that Barda has an awakening uh, after she sees what happens to Aureli. And um, a lot of people, uh, it happens in issue, I think, three, um, were very upset about, oh, actually, I think it's issue four, very upset about what happened to Aureli um, um, and uh, what happens to her um, in, in our book, you know, she ends up uh, dancing to death, basically. And that's exactly, it is issue three, that is exactly what happens in the Kirby book. Um, Protectorate Willick forces her to dance. He puts some red hot iron boots on her, and um, she could not survive it, and she dies. Um, and so it's that fixation. And I think that, you know, when you think about, um, about how 
women a lot of times have to worry about, you know, being threatened, being killed um, by men who fixate on them. I mean, it's an old story. And um, so that it was upsetting to write, but it is exactly what happened to or really in the original, you know, the source, the source material. I think that's important to understand because that's the inciting moment for Barda. She realizes that this world is really messed up and um, she doesn't really want to have anything to do with it. And this is really the beginning of the change of her attitude towards the world. Um, you know, her feelings. Um, Granny Goodness has always been a woman who's by herself. Uh, she's been the only girl in the room. And um, that is very different from what the female Furies have, which is a team. Although they've been pitted against each other and they have this terrible competition, which, you know, in a way is, um, reflects the way that women sometimes, um, you know, compete against each other, uh, you know, when we don't really have to. I was just talking about this with someone today. We were talking about how, you know, uh, I mean, I don't want to say a long time ago because these things are happening always now, but... Um, when you look at Granny, Granny, you know, probably was threatened by a lot of other women and wanted to maintain um, her being the only woman in the room, right? And you can see that reflected in the in the relationship between her and Tigra, uh, which is um, reflected in this in our series. Uh, you know, Tigra is um, in jail. She's a, a, not even considered a being. You know, she's not even considered a, a, a person anymore. She's a non-being. Um, and that's also canon to Kirby's original thing. Tigra is put into a jail. She is, uh, she is not considered a being anymore. Um, and she sort of has this contentious relationship with Granny Goodness. And so we reflect that as well. The other thing that is um, important to know is that Lump, the creature Lump, is also in Kirby's thing. And one thing that you, if you read all of the Fourth World you really notice that Kirby was very interested in science and he was very interested in the idea of genetics and, um, and uh, DNA and what DNA was and what's in the DNA and stuff like that. So one of the ideas that I had was that Granny Goodness sort of has been, you know, secretly taking the, you know, the DNA from from the men around her, the powerful men, uh, Darkseid and uh, Steppenwolf and Willix and all of these people, and also from any, um, you know, unwanted uh, arrivals that happen, unwanted pregnancies, which she um, she does, you know, take uh, abort um, uh, Aurelie's child, uh, the result of her, uh, you know, situation with, uh, Willix. Um, and it's definitely unwanted. Um, but granny uses that, uses it for her experiment. And, um, granny, I think is always looking for an angle. She's always looking for a way that she can get ahead. Like if it doesn't work out for her, then she's going to have her female furies rise above and get her what she always wanted, you know, and she'll live through them. And if they're not going to do it, then she's going to like have this like, you know, powerful lump that's going to help her. And if they're not going to do it, then she's going to, you know, she's going to just always look for the next, um, the next angle. She'll get a new team. She'll start again. She'll burn it down and rise it up. Um, so that's uh, important 
to know. <laughs> there are a lot of things that are important to know. But, you know, uh, when when you're talking about this, I think I think that issue three is one of the things that's super hard to read um, because there is O'Reilly's death. Uh, spoiler. I mean, I'm sure that you already know because you've read it. But um, and then that's really, really difficult because it sort of sideswipes um, Barda and the other Furies sort of see her as weak because she is, um, you know, sort of bowled over by this uh, by this death of Aureli. But I think that um, what it shows is that she's really a great leader and that she's capable of empathy. And this is ultimately what's going to make her leave. Um, in issue um, number four, you also see that um, Scott, uh, Scott, he, um, him and um, Barda meet up and he reminds her that they'd met before. And one of the things that I wanted to do is sort of indicate that even though, um, you know, they had met, uh, you know, when they over Aureli and in the same situation of Aureli trying to rescue her and get her back and like sort of conflicted in that way. Um, I wanted to have them meet when they were children as well. And that, that moment where they meet in the sort of hell, the terror orphanage and they survive this sort of, um, you know, terrible uh, gauntlet of hell that the children are sort of put through and many of them perish and it's sort of survival of the fittest that they end up helping each other and that that moment in their lives sort of buried somewhere deep down inside of them um, is this sort of seed that keeps them good or like gives them some kind of hope um, in the future. And that's an issue for. And so you've got this uh, moment where um, Scott, you know, uh, sort of they're swinging over a vat of acid and he says to her, don't die today. And then they sort of tell each other to not let anybody know that they're different. Um, and then they part because, you know, why, why would they be together? They sort of go on their different missions. Uh, Bart is recruited to be a female fury and Scott goes on um, to, you know, be in the protectorate and stuff like that. But what, then when they meet later, it's that moment where it's this profound moment where the two of them met. Um, and that, you know, that, that there's a connection that's deep within them from way, way, way earlier, um, in their lives. And it's not just that they met and it was love at first sight. Um, and I feel like that, that, you know, sort of connection that they have is kind of implied in Kirby's original, um, book because he sort of, he sort of implies like when they meet where she's just sort of confused by him, like, who are you? You know, what, what's your rank? Um, but she's sort of intrigued by him. And I, I think sometimes we don't realize that we recognize somebody, you know, when we haven't seen them for a long time. And I think that that's sort of what happens with her. Um, so, you know, Granny uh, knows that Barda is sort of like going off the rails here. And she, you know, recruits um, the other the other women on the Furies to sort of follow her. And to um, take her. And she can do that because everybody's sort of in competition with each other. They are still apart. Um, Lashina really wants to be the leader. And she's a, a good uh, a good leader. But um, Barda is the one who's sort of in charge. Another thing that I added um, in issue number four is this idea of these sort of um, fields, right? Where there is beauty on Apocalypse. There is... Uh, there are flowers, there are fields, there is greenery, 
but that is unacceptable on the planet. And in order to sort of tame the world and to, you know, make it buckle under its will, kind of like what the, you know, um, the anti-life equation is, is to sort of remove the will of anything, um, is that, you know, part of the sort of the scrub job that you could get would be to sort of burn the beautiful world and to make it die um, in order to make it comply to the way that dark side wants uh, apocalypse to sort of reflect that nothing can bloom here, that nothing can grow. And that's sort of to juxtapose the idea that our lady Barda is actually blooming. She's blooming with love. She's blooming with feelings. She's blooming with a softness that she feels uh, over the grief and loss of her friend. Um, and she's thinking about, you know, Scott free. Um, so, uh, you know, she goes and now she's in charge and Willex is uh, trying his little tricks with her and she'll stand, you know, uh, she, she won't, she won't do it at all. Even though Willex says to her, I know what you and Aurelie did and that you buried that body on the comet. Um, and Barta makes a decision right there that the consequences be damned that she's going to like confront, uh, the problem head on and to not, you know, not to have any secrets, right? Because that's sort of that shame is what, you know, caused a big problem for or really, you know, not having anyone to sort of turn to. And she, in the strength of that, um, you know, decides to, uh, to, you know, go and um, confront that, um, that she, you know, in, you know, had killed um, Steppenwolf's uh, nephew. And of course, Darkseid sees that as a positive thing. And so she becomes the de facto leader of the Furies, which pisses Lashina off because Lashina wants it. And now the female Furies are in complete oppositions. They're fighting with each other, um, you know, uh, and um, everybody kind of knows that Barda is going to, you know, leave. And she does leave. She leaves for Earth. But this is all part of Granny Goodness's cunning plan to, um, you know, rise in power, rise in status um, and everything. So in issue number five, we've got the female Furies who follow uh, um, Barda to Earth um, in order to um, get her back. Um, their ultimate goal really is to get rid of Scott Free because they want to have, um, you know, the deal between High Father and Dark Side is off if scot free is no longer um on apocalypse that's a really important thing to know because that's what sort of had this sort of peace but now they can go to war and that's another thing that's directly pulled from um from the new gods uh this sort of deal between um dark side and high father uh where they swapped sons in order to keep this truce but because Scott Free is actually High Father's son and was under the care of Darkseid, once Scott Free leaves for Earth, the deal is off. Um, so that plays right into everybody's plans, Granny's plans um, and stuff like that. And they don't really care about, about Scott Free. So they decide that they're going to kill him. Meanwhile, um, you know, Barda comes onto Earth. She sees Scott, who is in a tank of water. Um, but of course he's practicing his escape skills and, um, you know, he comes out and I, I really like this part and I love the way that, um, that Adriana sort of drew this sort of very romantic, uh, meeting between, um, 
you know, Big Barda and Mr. Miracle again. And he says, you know, you're the one person I never want to escape from. And she says, I'm here and I'm not going back. Um, they really figure out that probably, uh, you know, the female furies are going to follow her because they, they're, you know, they, they see some things on the news. Um, and so, uh, Big Barda in issue number five, it's like page four, um, she gives Scott permission to touch her to look for the uh, tracker on her body. And this is an important moment because, you know, um, this sort of scene, this sort of grid is mirrored in issue one where Aurelie is um, being manhandled by Willix. And then again in issue four where Willix is attempting to sort of do that um, with uh, Big Barda, but she's, you know, sort of not taking any guff from him. But then to have it sort of, uh, you know, again, um, where we see a consensual moment between a man and a woman, um, where she's given him full, per, you know, permission to touch her. And that's important because what we're talking about in this book is um, ways that you know, um, men and women can talk to each other about consent and what is not consensual and what is harassment and what is not harassment. And she is in full agency of her own body and she is giving permission to um, Mr. Miracle, who is her partner and her equal. He treats her like an equal. She treats him like an equal. And not only that, but that's why it's important that we had that scene um, with in the hell orphanage, in the terror orphanage, where um, you know Scott and Big Barda uh, work together to sort of survive the trials of the terror orphanage, um, and that they have this sort of implicit, you know, sort of deep core trust um, with each other. Um, so the female furies are now on Earth. Um, they're looking for Barda. And uh, they're kind of disgusted by everything they see because Earth is green, people are frolicking, um, you know, there's a couple that are, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, being tenderness, you know, having tenderness towards each other, and that's sort of uh, making them very, very upset. Um, you know, there's a big showdown between Barda and the female Furies. It's one against, you know, four. Uh, they're fighting, um, but it's a pretty equal match. Um, and finally, they call a sort of a break, right? And this is a moment where it's important because Lashina and Barda have always sort of been against each other. They've um, always been in competition. And the sort of basic tenets of, uh, you know, Apocalypse is, you know, kill to get ahead. And, um, and here they've fought. They have a moment where they say, you know, or really would have tipped the balance, that's what Lashina says. And Barda says, yes, but she would have fought with me. Indicating that there is, there's a bond that happened there, that, that Barda has moved beyond this sort of non-teamwork thing. Um, even though the female Furies are a team, I think they all kind of fight for themselves. But that's beginning to change, and that's because of actions um, um, and not what was said. Um, and Lashina at this point says to her, like, we all felt the loss of Aurelie. Why did you, why did it undo you? And, um, you know, Barda 
you know, talks about how it broke her, how it broke her to see the unfairness all around her and that she couldn't see it. And therefore she had to leave. Um, and then, you know, Lashina's but apocalypse is home. And um, Barda says, no, you've met Scott. He's my home now. And that idea that home is really where the heart is and that Barda has grown a heart um, because of the terrors that she's, she's seen and that she's been able to grow from it. Um, now the question is whether or not the female furies are going to be able to grow from it as well. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Um, then you have Granny, who is still trying her schemes in issue five. She's, uh, she's trying to, you know, uh, sort of save face because the female furies are on earth and she doesn't know where they are. And she wants them to have accomplished what she said that they're going to accomplish, which is to bring Scott free back, um, dead so that they can start this war with, um, uh, uh, you know, high father, um, and new Genesis. Uh, then we've got this scene where we have, you know, they're all recovering the female furies. They're wrapping up their wounds in the warehouse where, um, where Mr. Miracle has been sort of hiding out. And Barda says, you know, um, as I really died in my arms, she reminded me of it. I started thinking about all the times that I've been touched when I didn't want to be or been leered at or been overlooked or been made to feel invisible. And what you have here is you've got this, um, you know, this sort of close up of Barda and then you've got Lashina and Stampa and Mad Harriet and Bernadette who are all thinking and reflecting on what is being said here. And they all know that, that, um, you know, that, that it had happened to them too. You know, and um, and that they have this moment of realization that they've all sort of been affected by the same things and that they've maybe tamped it down. Um, one thing that I really want to talk about is I want to talk about the beautiful colors that Hi-Fi has done in this series. And um, I talked about it in that first episode. But um, what I really love is that in all the flashbacks, um, the flashbacks are even more poppy colored like than, um, than, uh, than the regular colors. And I like that because usually you've got... Um, you know, uh, flashbacks being a sort of sepia toned, um, and, and stuff. And I like that it's not sepia toned, that it's almost more colorful when we're talking about the past. Um, Adriana Mello, I mean, her art is just beautiful. I mean, when you look in, um, issue five at the, you know, the sort of battle between, um, between the female furies, one, two, three, four, five, six, it's page six, um, you know, seven, eight and then nine you've got this sort of nice splash and then you've just got these like sort of fists of fury that are just sort of swooshing and fighting everywhere and i love the sense of movement that she has um and how she really uh you know evokes uh, a kirby like uh, spirit while doing you know her own her own thing completely um and i love this sort of dramatic way that um that the women 
um, that the Furies look um, look like. I also really love Lump. Um, Lump is growing. You know, he started off as a little Lump baby, and now he's becoming a Lump thing. Um, and like I said, Lump is actually a character. He's, I think, in Mr. Miracle number eight. And um, he sort of takes on the, you know, he's sort of uh, uh, like a chameleon in a way um, where, you know, he takes on sort of properties of everything around him. Um and so, you know, this, this, um, this is, the lump is sort of there to be, you know, like I said, Granny's sort of backup clause. Um, so the ladies decide that they're going to work together. And this is a big deal because while they've worked together before, it's sort of quote unquote worked together where they're really all sort of moving forward in their best interests and trying to outdo each other and sort of reluctantly sort of loosely come together, um, which is more than what granny ever had, but, but they still have sort of been working apart, but now they're really going to work together and um, they're going to uh, go back to Apocalypse and they're going to make Willix pay because, of course, Willix did not pay for what he did to Aureli, um, even though he was outed, even though, you know, Barta said that he, you know, uh, that um, he was blackmailing and that he was being inappropriate. Nothing happened to him. He had no consequences at all. So the female Furies have decided that they are going to, um, you know, do do that. And um when they come back, they sort of uh, they they sort of kidnap him, and um, he's complaining about you know he's the real victim and that he's been misunderstood and that he has many women in his life like a mother he thinks and whatever. Anyway, they throw him into a um, a sort of black hole and uh, where he is sort of torn apart, and this makes Granny Goodness super happy because. Um, she thinks, well, I'm next in line. So naturally, I'm the one who's going to get Willick's job. So this has worked out very, very nicely for Granny Goodness. But of course, then we cut to Darkseid and his cronies who, um, you know, uh, Glorious Godfrey, you know, says, I've got a nephew who needs a job and he's one of us. And so Darkseid says to appoint him. Um, so... Uh, but then they decide that maybe this isn't enough, you know, that um, that they shouldn't stop until it's done. So now we've we've come up to issue number six, which is the end of uh, end of our series. Uh, first of all, issue number six um, has this gorgeous cover uh, by Joelle Jones. Um, and I just love Joelle Jones so much. And it's colored by uh, I think Laura Allred is, um, you know, has done the, the cover as well. Uh, and um, it's just gorgeous. I mean, it's just really gorgeous. And it's a beautiful big Barda with uh, Mad Harriet and Bernadette and Stampa and Lashina behind her. And they're sort of um, on top of a toppled uh, statue of Darkseid. So one of the things that, uh, you know, issue number six is called um, Burn the World. And... Um, Obviously, you know, you can't destroy and kill Darkseid because he's the most powerful supervillain on the planet. And and that isn't even really the important thing. It's, you know, this is about getting justice, but it's 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 also about sort of pointing out an inequality. Um, and so Barda has this idea to go to the women of Ap Apocalypse and she goes to a birthing center and um 
And that just sort of, you know, was a place where, I mean, there are many different kinds of women on Apocalypse, um, but a birthing center, I, I thought that would be a really good idea to, you know, start it off there because it's sort of, you know, you know, these women are, are breeding the next generation of women who are going to be in the same hellscape. And, um, and so Barta is trying to convince them to, um, you know, do differently. So, you know, she's saying that everything should change. And, um, you know, she's asking everybody to cease work and, um, so that they will, you know, bring apocalypse to its knees and that, um, that they would be respected as equal citizens. Um, and I love this, I love this scene. So it's Barda, it's like these women and, uh, they throw a tomato at her face. And, um, I love the way that, um, you know, uh, the that Adriana drew the tomato um, sort of flinging on onto Big Barda's face. And of course, they're like, "Go home, you know, you know, you guys get all these privileges, and you come down here and you make these demands on us and whatever." Um, I always like to get a little bit literary with uh, with my books. Um, I'm always trying to like think and pull from other places, not just. Um, from Kirby and from what he did, but, you know, to sort of pull from sort of big, deep stories that we have, um, you know, human stories that we've had for millennia. So um, this uh, comes from um, Lysistrata, which is the story where uh, the women um, go on a, um, a sex strike uh, in order to stop the war. Now, obviously, my strike or my idea that Barda has to have this strike is different. Um, but, um, but you'll see that it plays out a little bit, um, a little bit later. But anyway, the idea that women, even when they're powerless, have the sort of power to, you know, bring a world to its knees in some way. Um, so, you know, Barda tries to convince them that she was a lowly just like them, but you know, they don't understand. So they have to come up with a new plan. Um, Meanwhile, um, on page one, two, three, four, uh, Granny's really excited. She's really excited to go to Dark Side. She knows that she's going to get this job that Willix, because he's been pulled apart by a, a black hole, that, you know, that he's not going to be able to do his job anymore. He's gone. So finally, she gets to rise and she's going to get to be one of the big boys. Um, but of course, uh, she's introduced to Barthlow, the nephew, Glorious Godfrey's nephew, who will now be giving her orders. And she is pissed. And um, Glorious Godfrey sort of indicates that, uh, you know, her girls have gone rogue and that um, that they're holding her back. And that pisses Granny off. So the ladies go to the bar to try to figure out what they're going to, you know, what they're going to do. And they, you know, they're, they're like, ah, can we blame them as hard as we've had it? We have it better than they do. And, you know, Bernadette says it was presumptuous to think that they would join us. Look at how long it took us to work together because they, they've never worked together. They've always sort of been, uh, you know, independent units within this unit. So Barla gets this idea because she feels like they need a new way to dream. They need a new way to think of the world. And if you look back to, um, you know, issue three, um, and issue, at the end of issue two, the beautiful dreamer was called in by Granny Goodness uh, to um, bring in a dream um, because uh, Granny wanted for her girls, because Aurelie was, you know, sort of <laughs> being weak and not... Um, 
getting over this, um, you know, assist, you know, c- complete harassment from Willix. And so she called in Beautiful Dreamer to uh, try to dream them to forget, you know, for or really to have forgotten that that happened so that, you know, um, the ranks would not be broken. Of course, that didn't go very well. And it sort of backfired on um, on Granny Goodness and um, or really, uh, you know, sort of um, helped Beautiful Dreamer to escape and uh, Beautiful Dreamer brought her to Himone um, so that Aurelie could have a new life. Of course, that didn't work out so well for her. She was caught and hauled back to Apocalypse. But um, Barda remembers that, um, you know, this huge power that Beautiful Dreamer has, right, is to, you know, sort of, you know, give an illusion uh, to everyone around them. And so she thinks that um, maybe a way to do it would be to give the women of Apocalypse a new way to dream, a new way to look. That the idea that you can't see something if you don't even know that it's a possibility. You can't even dream of something better if you don't know that it's a possibility. So they decide to go to um, the Hall of the Old Gods, where uh, in the hallowed sanctuary lies the dimensional threshold, which sparkles with seeds of the almighty source. So now the source wall is like super far away, right? Like it's um, a super far away place, like, you know, place. But I imagine that there's like little source pockets everywhere. And so I use this sort of idea, took a liberty with that, um, to make it that it's sort of a way to kind of travel or do something, but it's that it's a, you know, that it's a sort of sanctuary of the old gods. When they go there and they see this sort of um, speckled dimensional threshold wall um, and uh, Lashina and Mad Harriet and um, Big Barda uh, lay down next to this dimensional wall and begin to dream. And their idea is that they're going to try to meet the beautiful dreamer in dreams so that they can beg her to help them. And so here we go. It's on page one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. On page seven, they've entered the dream. And this page, first of all, once again, the colors are spectacular. They're a little bit different. They're a little muted, a little bit sort of water, watercolory, um, which is, uh, you know, really beautiful and sort of makes you definitely feel pastels that you're in, uh, um, in a, in a dream. And, um, what we see here is that, uh, Lashina, Big Barda and Mad Harriet, um, sort of are echoes of what they thought that they were like in that dream from issue, um, issue number three. So Lashina is a big general. She's got some medals on her, um, on her, on her uniform. <coughs> Mad Harriet is, completely, you know, her hair is tucked up. She doesn't look crazy. She's wearing a lab coat like a scientist um, because I think Mad Harriet is really actually a genius. And Big Barda is holding on to a small child, um, which she'd heard in um, issue three, a baby crying. Um, and so the whole time that she's in dream, she's holding on to this baby. And that's sort of to, you know, sort of um, echo the idea that, you know, she's sort of heading for a domestic life. Uh, down the line with Scott Free, as we know, um, will happen because she will be with him. Um, so this page um, that uh, that Adriana drew is just gorgeous. I mean, it's 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 got it's like a little Hobbit home or something. Um, trees and flowers everywhere. It's just very very different. It's lush. It's gorgeous. 
um, you know, uh, beautiful dreamers in this sort of quaint little cabin, you know, sweet little cabin having tea. Of course, it's destroyed. Um, and beautiful dreamer is like ready to, to fight them because she knows their tricks and she's using sort of flowers and vines, you know, uh, at her command to sort of point at the ladies, um, like daggers, but they're not there to fight beautiful dreamer. They're there because, um, they need to trust her and they need to ask her to help them. Uh, we need you to spin a new dream for our world is what Barda asks. And, you know, that would be an easy solution, right? You know, beautiful dreamer could just go there and ask them to do that. But of course you can't do that because you have to solve your own problems. Um, so beautiful dreamer in this gorgeous image of her looking kind of sad and soft. Um, you know, she says, if I were to do what you ask, how would I be any different from dark side? You know, and that's because, and even in Kirby's idea, the idea that you don't want to control people's will, you know, that people have to have free will and they have to come to these conclusions and these ideas on their own. It can't be imposed on them. You know, they have to see that there's an injustice and act on it upon themselves. You can't just impose it. You can't just make them dream it and, 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 and sort of hold them captive because then that would just be the same as the anti-life equation. Um, in in uh, the fourth world, it's, uh, you know, often talked about um, one of the reasons why they want the beautiful dreamer, why the beautiful dreamer is so powerful is that the way that you can spin illusions is kind of a way to sort of impose, uh, you know, um, you know, to take away people's free will. Um, and that's what makes beautiful dreamer so powerful. And I think that's what makes her so, uh, you know, coveted by dark side Um you know, because in a way she's sort of the yin and yang to what he's trying to do. And so she can't help them. And she has to, you know, convince them that they need to do it themselves. So she says to them, sisters, I feel your pain. I see your sorrow. I glean your true and honest intention. But making change is something that you must do when awake. I cannot help you. So they have to go back and do something on their own. When they get back, Granny has moved on. Granny has got, uh, um, you know, a whole bunch of new uh, female furies there who have taken the place. And this is uh, this was fun because um, it gives an opportunity to bring in some of the other female furies that I didn't get to use um, in um, in here. And I think it was really fun for um, for Adriana as well. So we have uh, Gargantua, uh, I mean, Gigantrix, Guillotina and Sweet Lilani, who are the new female furies in Granny's um, thing. Meanwhile, Darkseid and uh, the guys are, uh, you know, realizing that the Furies are out of control. So what do men do when uh, women are out of control? They try to control them. Um, we'll have all the women of Apocalypse under control uh, by installing a curfew and making women stay in their houses. Uh, of course, this pisses off Granny. There's a big fight between um, uh, Sweet Leilani, Gigantrix, and Guillotina and Big Barda and uh, the female Furies. And of course, the female Furies are trying to recruit the other female Furies and say, hey, this is not going to go well for you. This didn't go well for us. We have to work together as a team. Of course, Granny messes it all up uh, and tries to kill them all. 
because like I said before, she'll do anything. If, if people aren't go- doing things her way, she's just going to burn it all down and start again. Um, meanwhile, she's going to go get her lump because, uh, you know, the first female Furies team is burnt to her. The second female Furies team is now burnt. And so she's going to go get them. So now what we have is we have all the female Furies, um, you know, sort of working together. And we go back to this, uh, this, this Estrada idea. Um, where uh, they have to, you know, if we use the curfew against the men, we can rally the women. Um, meanwhile, they're going to blow up the seat of Darkseid's power to level the playing field. Because really, that's what they want. They want a level playing field between men and women. They want a level playing field in order to sort of reboot and restart restart the world, um, you know, where there's some um, equality. Granny has gone to go get her lump, but of course Tigra, who had one child, Orion, stolen from her, um, doesn't want to let go of this child either. And, uh, you know, so they fight over the lump and Granny, you know, punches her out. Um, uh, So the women, the, you know, uh, Lilani and, Sweet Lilani and uh, Gigantrix and uh, Guillotina, they go and they say, they go to the brothels and they say, don't lie with any man. They go to the, you know, the kitchens and they say, bring no food to any table. They go to the librarians who are chained to the sort of information databases and they say, let no information flow. Because what they want to do is they want to, um, you know, make the world, uh, you know, not function. So even if there's this curfew, they're going to fight a curfew with sort of doing nothing, which is the idea that the they had at the beginning of the book that, of course, um, you know, uh, didn't work. Um, but now they sort of are more united, uh, the more women together doing action together. So this is a moment now where, um, big Barda and, uh, and Lashina have a, have a really nice moment where they really respect and admire each other's sort of tactical talents and, um, and stuff. And, uh, really become sisters in this moment. They've sort of been moving towards that um, since, uh, you know, the fifth issue, but now um, they sort of, you know, they 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 come to this. So uh, what she wants to do is she wants to blow up the planet, but use a sort of gravity chain to, you know, hold the planet together. And what they're going to do is they're going to put all the women on one side and all the men on the other side. So Tigra wakes up after being unconscious and she's got one thing on her mind. She's finally free. Uh, you know, the world has cracked and, and broken. And so her, the walls that have been um, holding her, the cell walls have crumbled and she goes straight for um, dark side. Now, of course she stands no chance against dark side. Let's face it. She doesn't stand a chance against him. He's going to kill her, but you know, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And she has been tr- mistreated and treated like a non-being, a non-being um, for a long time. And um, and so she's just going to scratch and try to fight him. And uh, when Granny comes in, because she also was heading for dark side with her, with her lump, um, you think that Granny is going to take the side of dark side to sort of ingratiate herself to him again. But in a total switch... Um, instead, what she does is she sets the lump to attack Darkseid because Darkseid, you know, has some DNA. Uh, the lump has some Darkseid DNA. And so they're sort of more equally matched. And um, this sort of buys them some time. This is a surprising moment. And Tigra says, I didn't think that you had it in you to help another woman. 
but Granny says, all bets are off today. And I like this because I feel like this also is sort of showing the idea that Granny is capable of growth as well, you know, because I think we all are um, capable of growth. Um, hopefully Dark Side is as well, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think he's going to do it. Anyway, he leaves, you know, because of course he always leaves and gets away with it. Um, but, uh, you know, but meanwhile, the, you know, and Granny escapes and the Furies see her escaping, but, um, they let her go because they realize in their, in the female Fury's growth, they realize, uh, Lashina says, let her go. Granny's just as much of a victim of this world as we are. And I think it's important to note that, um, that, you know, there are, women deal with their idea of feminism in a much different way. Right. And women of different generations deal with things in a different way, you know, um, and, and that, and that everybody all women have been affected in some way and have coped in some way. And I think granny is part of a generation that, um, that really, you know, tried to make things work when they were the only woman in the room. And that's very different than when there are many women in the room. And then even more different when there have been women at the table. Um, and you know, now it's sort of like moving into a a sort of a, a new moment. Um, and that's what's happening with the female furies. They're moving into this new moment. And so um, Lashina very smartly says a functioning society needs women. And now Darkseid only rules the men of Apocalypse. So wherever they may land, you know, the men separated from the women, they'll be back. But the women of Apocalypse are going to thrive and they're going to be together and they're going to be united in this way that they haven't been before. Now, if you know your history of the, um, the new gods and the fourth world, um, apocalypse, uh, you know, sort of, um, explodes at the end and they're sort of scattered. Um, and I was interested in kind of doing that, but also not doing that. So that's why I have the world sort of, um, crack, but held together by these gravity binds. Anyway, Lashina is now sort of fully come into her own. She's in charge of apocalypse. Um, and, uh, you know, and they're going to try to move forward with this new world order where women have a little bit more voice um, and stuff. And Barda uh, ends up on Earth with Scott, which is how, you know, it ends up um, in the, in the you know, in, in the fourth world. Um, and so the hard thing when you're doing this sort of kind of book, you know, is that, you know, the instinct is to like have it end and have it be, uh, you know, justice and everybody pays for their crimes and stuff like that. But that's not the way that it works. We know that Darkseid is going to regroup. We know that Apocalypse is going to come back. We know that the female Furies are going to um, work for Darkseid. I don't think that they're against their world. They're not trying to, you know, reinvent it completely, but they just want it to, you know, sort of, um, you know, shift like have a seismic shift in some way. And I think that change is really complicated and change can sometimes be excruciatingly slow. Um, but the point of the female furies that Adriana and I did was we wanted to have a story about an awakening about women seeing injustices in, in their world, um, and trying to do something about it, do something active about it and to hold people accountable for their actions and to come together and unite in some way. Um, you know, it's a hard story to tell. Um, and it definitely reflects what we're going through in the world right now. And I know that Adriana, Adriana Mello and I were really honored 
to write this book. And I just really want to give a big shout out to um, Jamie Rich, who was our fearless editor on this, and uh, Brittany Holter, who was the assistant, who really helped um, and, uh, you know, just really helped us, um, you know, bring it to the next level. Um, Harvey Richards uh, was uh, the other associate editor. He came in. Um, and uh, also, I want to thank Dan Dio and um, DC Comics for letting us tell this kind of story. Um, I think this is the kind of book that, you know, we should talk about. And I hope that people do talk about it. And I hope that people, you know, when the trade comes out or now that the whole story is complete, that you kind of see the entire thread of, um, you know, where we were going and how it really is about an awakening and how it's about a, a sort of a shift, you know, a tectonic shift in a culture, uh, you know, that is complicated and messy and hard. Um, and that, uh, you know, this is the kind of conversations that we're having around the water coolers um, and stuff. And I think that when we're in a time right now where we have a leader in our country who does not respect women and where you have a time where um, agency over women's bodies are being rolled back, uh, it's important to have books that call these things out. You know, um, I think that this is a book that I'm going to constantly be thinking about, even though I wrote it and constantly talking about. And I really am looking forward to talking to, um, to you guys. Anyway, Adriana Mello and I are really thrilled for all of you who have stuck with us and read this book. And, um, you know, I know that it was a hard read sometimes. Um, you know, like I said, it was hard to write sometimes. And, um, you know, definitely has some triggery things in there for me as well. Uh, obviously, I have a woman in the world and I've experienced some shit. Um, so uh, that's it. Anyway, I'm thrilled that you you came with us on this adventure, on this awakening. Um, I hope that um, that, you know, you enjoyed it as much as we were honored to me and Adriana were honored to to write and draw it. Um, Thank you very much to listening to this sort of uh, color commentary of the entire issue, not uh, the entire series, not just issue six. And thank you uh, to um, to comic book commentary and to Ben for letting us, uh, you know, come and talk on it on here. Okay, bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>